you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to 7th Heaven. It is the festive edition of your favourite pod, the Celestial One Stop Pod for all things Rugby 7s. Happy Christmas to you from all of us up in the clouds. It's the last one of 2020. I'm Bernsey. I've got Mitch and Chip here to see us off in style. And with new years come new hope. There's some big news in the Sevens world regarding the Repercharge and GB Sevens, not to mention some young espoirs who've made their mark on the England Sevens dream in the last couple of years. Will the Horsemuir and Benny Harris, two competition winners up in the clouds with the boys. But first and foremost, you're here with us. And we've loved having you all year. This is the last hurrah. Welcome to Seventh Heaven. That is an intro that will tie us over into the new year. Bernsey, well done. Extra long intro today, really enjoyed it. Um, I was waiting for you to do that awkward thing, you know, and you're like, and here's Mitch and Chip, and we both don't know what to say. Um, but no, I'm glad, glad you missed that bit out today. But overall, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Well, do you know what? After 26 episodes, I know not to try and draw you into the intros because you're going to stitch me up and leave me hanging out there. So I've it's learned something. Hang on, it's because you, you told us, Bernsey, the intros is your thing. Do you remember that time, Chip, we tried to help him out with the intros and he was like, no, 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 no lads, this is my thing. I do the intros. Do you remember when he said that? Yeah, when I came up with Celestial One Stop Shop and then he just keeps on using it. Yeah. How fucking dare you? How <laughs> fucking dare you? <laughs> oh, well, boys, it's good to see you. We've been away for two weeks and I guess it's my turn to apologise to the listeners. That's because I got bogged down uh, with some European Cup work, which sounds like I'm massively big noting myself, but it was a horrendous couple of weeks preparing for all those games and I really got too swamped to put an episode out. So sorry to you, the listeners. Thank you to Chip and Mitch for being patient. And boys, it does mean there is plenty to find out about what you've been up to the last couple of weeks. Mostly for me, Bernsey, I've been getting my head around Christmas. Not often we get a nice long run into Christmas. So um, really been soaking up the festive cheer. Um, got a lovely tree. Uh, done my best with the wife to decorate it, get it looking nice. Um, singing songs, singing carols. That's me. I'm, I'm the festive man this year. Not always the case, but um, yeah, I'm going to bring some festive cheer today. You're not a big Christmas lover, Mitch? Uh, I went off it. I went off it for a while. I don't know why. It I think just... it's because normally we're in Dubai and Cape Town for Christmas. Mm. So you're in a hot climate, you're away from everything and you don't, you don't feel Christmassy. But now obviously we're back to reality. Back to reality. P45. The perks. The, per- the perks of not being in Dubai and Cape Town just shows you there's a silver lining to all these things yeah you boys have had a real tough decade the last few years spending your christmases in dubai and cape town i think i speak for all the listeners in saying i'm glad that 
you've finally been dealt a good hand this year. Um, <laughs> well, look, I mean, it is, it is interesting to know, though, uh, what has Christmas looked like for you in the past? Because you obviously have the two opening legs of the series that you get stuck into, and then it's, it's a reasonable break until the next round. So Normally not really. Like, it was a decent break, but we're like, we're in on up right up to Christmas and then a bit of time off, like a couple of days on after. But we trained quite hard throughout it. Um, it's, I was saying, Mitch, echoing your point, it's nice to get a bit of Christmas cheer with the Christmas tunes because normally when we're away, Burge doesn't let me play him when we're in <laughs> in Dubai and Cape Town because he says it makes him miss, miss him family, his family. And also, big shout out <laughs> to the Burgesses who've just dropped uh, the latest kid, like the latest album. Um, massive shout out and welcome to the world. Digby Burgess, the latest addition to the uh, Burgess Sevens team that's in the making down there. Um, Farm Remain, shout out. Um, yeah, absolutely right, Chip. Um, we, we do train quite hard over Christmas. Like we get a couple of days off, but it's never like, it's never like, oh, we're back, lads. You know, go and reflect, like have some time off. It's always, well, it used to be, um, we're back. We're going to train hard. We're going to get better. There's always things to work on. That's the beauty of the first two tournaments. So, no, it's um, it's nice being in the country. Yeah, there's always a trade-off in it around the Christmas because it's the last of the decent breaks. When you get into the new year, it's quite thick and fast all the way to the end of the season. So, it's uh, it gets quite full on from January onwards. So you're kind of half thinking, well, I'll enjoy being home for a bit of time over Christmas. But equally, you're right, Chip. You're into the season, aren't you? Although sevens players generally we've had it better than 15s guys have it over the christmas period don't we because it's quite quite a grueling schedule for rugby players over christmas traditionally yeah brutal at the moment so like with quince we're in um training christmas eve christmas day off boxing day game um and then basically and again the week after like and it's just like a normal week really which is kind of bizarre because like obviously everything's tier four around here now lockdown well Um, but um, it's still bowling around going to training, even though it's dead everywhere else. Uh, I was wondering how long it was going to take him to drop in that he plays for a premiership club, Mitch. I mean, I, <laughs> I thought it was going to take longer, but you, you, you're right. It was straight off the bat, first opportunity. <laughs> go, on, go on then, Chip. Go on then, Chip, because I'm, I'm yanking your chain, but the rugby fan in me wants to know everything about your debut at what, one of the most iconic grounds in rugby, Toman Park against Munster yeah it's pretty cool uh, I mean we got there uh, before the game obviously um, and me and I was just look, walking around the pitch with Will Edwards obviously another sevens player and he was travelling reserve at the time um, and I was just we were just like breathing it all in and like saying how good this moment was like coming from complete adversity to being like at Tolman Park about to play against uh, like a fully loaded Munster team like really cool Um so I, I think that's the cool thing about the the game. I think if, uh, if, to sum it up, um, my head was pretty chilled. Like I'd done all my like red trigger priming, like every, all my mental prep for the game, but my body was really nervous. So I was trumping loads on the bench, <laughs> which so I wasn't the uh, the most popular substitute. Um, so I think the lads were actually quite happy when I got on for a bit. <laughs> body, body. Did you nervous. say it was you? Did you own up? I had to after the, after a couple the lads next to me were just like looking around at empty stadium as well so I couldn't even blame it on the fans <laughs> can blame it on the beer farts coming from the crowd <laughs> no uh, no but it was amazing like um, to get any minutes I like got um, it was like eight minutes or 
uh, and I got absolutely smoked on one carry, which was cool. But no, I loved it. Loved every second. It's like an incredible achievement for you. And like we knew as well that you were going to be in the mix. You told us and I couldn't wait to watch you on TV. What was it like making a debut for a club in such a big cauldron of a stadium with no fans like, what what was your feelings about it obviously yeah, like I tried to describe it to my wife about like what a cool stadium or what like a mega place it would be to play show the pictures and you can see like it's all packed out with fans so we got there and then you can hear every call from their, them all their bench appealing everything people like the only noise in the stadium was the coaches shouting um there's a coach for Queens Jerry Flannery who's a um, obviously ex-Island and Monster player who was very vocal on the sidelines so I think he was the loudest fan there um, uh, yeah it was it was bittersweet but I mean it doesn't really sap away from like looking back even now short term reflecting um, the the experience like my first Champions Cup game I played the um, Challenge Cup before but yeah to, to tick that box and to get on the pitch was class like so cool What's it like sitting on when you're on the bench in a game of 15s? It's been a while, obviously, and what, well, you're sitting there for a long time. But if you're on the bench in sevens, the max you can be sitting there for is 14 minutes, right? <laughs> like yes, when you're sitting I, watching a 15s, <laughs> watching a 15s game unfold, like it's a long time to be sitting there without like doing anything. Your body must be going crazy. Yeah, like. Um... It is basically. You stand up a couple of times, you know, when something interesting happens, just like the average fan. But yeah, warm up on twenty minutes, and then I have a little chuck around at halftime, um, and then same again at, on like sixty, and then that's it basically. And there's a bike if you want to do it, but like just before I went on, they said the, the other lads were like hitting pads, like hitting tackle pads, and like bouncing and getting up. And they're like, "Do you want to do you want to hit some bags, Rich?" I didn't, I didn't think it was like, I think it was like a rhetorical question, but I was just like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's, nah, I'm fine. Like, yeah, Ch- no, I'm Chippy, Chippy's not asked. Chippy's not yeah. asked about playing today. I was like, fuck, I, I've seen him. They were doing like six hits on the row. I was like, come on, I'd be knackered. That's it. I didn't make one tackle. It wasn't, we had the ball the whole time I was on. I was going to chase Chip. I'm looking at your stats here five carries, one line out, and 22 meters in eight minutes. We said you're quite keen to get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they were, everyone was saying to me, "Oh, bring this energy, bring this energy." I tell you one thing about being in fifteens: everything you do as a sevens player is tarred with a sevens brush, right? Everything. Um, I throw a lot. I throw a pass in training. Oh, he's played sevens. We're doing fitness, and I'm hanging. Oh, oh look at him. He's pretending to be tired. He's a sevens player. Oh God. We do a tackling <laughs> drill. Oh, he can't tackle. He's a sevens player. <laughs> Anything, everything. T- pick a scenario. You can turn it around into a positive or a negative playing sevens. If I throw a pass that's <laughs> over three meters, genuine, they're like, "Oh my god, look at this guy's playing sevens." Oh, that's all the chat I'm getting. At. That's the chat I'm getting at the moment. <laughs> Did they mention anything about you getting biffed by Josh Witchley? <laughs> He had a good game. Um, so I don't think that ball was meant for me. So I th- well, like obviously the pass came to me, but it should have hit the other guy. So I'm blaming Scott Steele. He can take the the full thing of that. I just caught it. And before like I could look to step or look to carry, he was underneath me and I was like, oh no, ball, place- ball placement on your back over your head is not the one. <laughs> <laughs> just hoping that no one walks over your face where you're trying to get the ball away from the jackaloo. To be honest, it couldn't get much worse. I spoke to, you know, I've still got a black eye. I spoke to my mum the other day and she said that 
well, mom, sorry, fill you a bit of context. My mum is a GP, and she said that the pigment in the in the skin around the eyes gone, uh, and it might take like six months to come back to normal. Great, so like, I think you, that's awesome. You can look hard for six months more. Stupid. Awesome. Thing is, you um, know what will happen? It'll fade. It'll come back to normal, and then you'll go and play a game and get get boshed. Or might, something. Be six, <laughs> might be six months before my my next game after that carry. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's a good point. What's like? Because obviously in 15s you don't get as many involvements. You do in sevens, to, and you don't get as much opportunities. Maybe do stuff. And like training is training, right? It's not the ref same reflection as the game. But how do they? Not with chippy stats. How do they? Um, yeah, true. How do they review like things like that? Is it? So I guess I'm comparing it to you know like when Shaggy was on and he was talking about the NFL. And literally in the NFL, you make one mistake, that could be you gone. And obviously, rugby is not quite as cutthroat as that. But how does it compare to, well, the environment we had at Sevens, for example, or other environments? Is it very cutthroat in terms of reviewing mistakes and stuff? Or what's it like? Um, kind of depends on the, like the, the way the team's gone. So if there's like a, a, a theme that's going about like people, like, I don't know, people body heights in rooks or something like that. And then they'll, they'll bring it up in meetings. Like, you get individual feedback. So yeah, like you position group, you've got uh, each group of, of positions is called something different than you, you're in your groups and you chat in your groups and you chat with your like position coach. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of feedback for it. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. It's not as cutthroat, but still, you, I don't think you get dropped for missing a tackle. You know what I mean? As I think it's they saw they talk the same what we did in sevens about um, effort errors and and like system errors. So like if you get something wrong for not trying, then yeah, you're gonna get a ball to get called up in a meeting. But if you get it wrong for just dropping a ball, like if you know, it's obviously you didn't mean to. You were trying hard, so it doesn't really matter. I think that's the ethos. What I've gathered over the last five weeks, six weeks. Right, should we get into a bit of sevens, guys? Because it has been a bit of a momentous week in our 2020 calendar. It's been a year of lows. Oh, it's been a year of disappointment, but there seems to be a little bit of hope, a light at the end of the tunnel. With uh, the GB announcement today that England, Scotland and Wales will unite for the Olympics under the GB banner with a bit of help from some lottery funding. And interestingly, they're going to continue to compete as GB for the World Series as well afterwards with Hong Kong and Singapore being moved to after the Olympics, which also reduces the number of tournaments before the Olympics, potentially to just two in London and Paris, though they haven't been confirmed. So a lot of information. Boys, how do you feel about it all? Is that hang on? Just <laughs> uh, all all correct there, Bernsey, But just a question mark about what's happening post Tokyo. Has that a GB post Tokyo been confirmed? I don't think it has. That was the impression that I got from the press release. It said Bring World up. Series, but the suggestion—I think the suggestion was World Series in the build-up to that. But um, oh, well, we you can tell me more then, please. Well I, don't, I, well, I probably can't, Bernsey. We've all had the same press release. Um, the, yeah, I mean, mate, first and foremost, like, it's, it's great that there's going to be funding for a full-time programme for the men's and women's Great Britain sevens teams. Like, pure and simple, 
that is what needs to happen in order for the teams to have a good stab at going to Tokyo and, and doing what the teams are capable of doing, um, which is winning medals um, and everything, all the benefits that come with that, um, that are much bigger, obviously, than, than just the team. But um, so, yeah, it's good to get to this point. I mean, like Chip and I both probably feel the same. That it's been a very frustrating time, a lot of unknowns. It's nice to get some... Uh, just you know, something that is a is a certainty. You know, something that's actually nailed down out in the public now uh, that we can build on, and we will have to build on it. I mean, there's a lot that you're probably reading the press release, Bernsey, with your journalistic eyes and thinking there's a lot more information that we need in order to to work out what's what it's actually going to look like. And I think that's true. Um, and hopefully, it won't be too long before we get a bit more of that info. Yeah, Mitch, I think you summed it up well. Like, um, obviously, we, we've had a call and we've seen the press release about this is what the GB program's kind of going to look like. And there's not, it's quite kind of the bare bones at the moment, but the bare bones is better than nothing. You know what I mean? We've opened up the coffin to find the skeleton. Like, the, the coffin was empty before and we, me and Mitch were digging the, gra- digging the grave and burying it. So it's good. We're on the... <laughs> We're on the right track. We're on the right track. I love I the can... morbid metaphor. <laughs> but what what other questions would you have, Bernsey, around the, around it? Um, not that we'll be able to answer them because we probably don't have the info. But I guess the big one, the big one, the big question that is on our lips as players, and after all, we we this is our pod as well as yours, Bernsey, uh, is who's going to be involved? You know. Well. Yeah, let's start there. Tony Rokes um, is going to be coming back as head coach. He's been assistant coach over under Mike Friday for the USA Eagles since 2018. And he played premiership for Saracens, played England Sevens. He played for Exeter Chiefs, actually, when they were in National One as well. But he's going to be coming up and take up head coach, new person in camp. What do you think, guys? I'm... I'm chuffed. I love Rocky. Um, I thought it was it was a massive shame that um, he had to leave the RFU in the way he did at the end. Like it was a tough time for everyone in the program, kind of the last couple of years of it. Um, and to, to see him be rewarded with this is class. Um, good to have him back on side. Um, it was a bit weird actually for me because like he's, he was our forwards coach and defence coach. So like to play against the USA team and see him on the side like with his typical arms folded grumpy face um, was a bit weird and I knew he wasn't angry at me for once so um, no, it's, it's class to have Rocky back out on side and yeah hopefully well, I'm sure he'll do a good job yeah Rocky's a great man um, like very sort of principled like good values you know the kind of coach with you, you always know where you stand with him um, he's kind of quite usually quite direct in, in the way he does things um, which would probably be quite useful given that you know there's not a huge amount of time I think that's another issue that everyone recognises with the GB programme is that we've seen USA out doing their inter-squad games we've seen um, New Zealand playing in the Ignite Sevens you know other teams are up and running France are training with the 15s guys and doing their stuff um, so we're not we're not flush with time. So we're going to need someone who's going to be prepared to kind of drive things on and, and be pretty forthright about it, I guess. Were you expecting someone different to come into this role? Or certainly someone who hadn't been involved in England, Wales and Scotland for the last couple of years? 
good question. I mean, we knew that there obviously there was um, there was a gap for a head coach because Simon A. Moore had been working with the 15s guys and sort of moved on into that role and it's quite a substantial role. So um, we knew there was likely to be a new head coach for the men's GB team at some point. Uh, but there was a big, big old question mark around who that was going to be. Really, um, I don't think anyone could really say with any certainty who that was likely to be. Um, I think it was always going to be important to get someone from within sevens. Like that made a lot of sense because you need someone who knows the game and who's been in it recently, uh, which obviously Rocky had uh, going for him. So, yeah. So, you know, obviously James Rodwell is going to be invo- continue to be involved across the men's and the women's. And Charlie Hayter is also going to oversee the whole programme, who is, of course, an old teammate of you guys. But if I was a Welsh or a Scottish player, I think that I would be pleased that Tony Rokes is coming in because he's someone who isn't connected to any of the camps, uh, as in England, Scotland, Wales. And do you think it almost provides a clean slate and a blank opportunity for everyone to impress? Yeah, I think um, I think even if like Rodders or Hates had got the head coach role, um, they'd have been impartial and... It's, this is about oh. picking. Pick it. I know, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. I know you weren't digging them out, but I'm just saying, like, that maybe the Welsh boys would be happy. But at the same time, Mitch kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, we're quite short for time. So I don't know how much time there's going to be to, like, impress. Do you know what I mean? Um, the next step, I presume, I, like, I don't really know, but the next step, I presume, is to be hunting out people and say, listen, like, we want you for the GB camp. So, like, once you're in that camp, then you're in the setup and then then that's your chance to impress, but who knows? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one, you know what I mean? It's, it is weird. I, I think you're right, Chip. I think whoever was in, I think it was always going to be a blank canvas and a, and a clean slate for anyone coming into it. But from a perception point of view, um, I can imagine it's probably better having someone who's not been involved historically with any of the unions in, in an immediate um, past anyway. Um and the, that's the interesting thing as well. You talk about like impressing. There's no form. For, like normally you select a squad or whatever based on form, but form from what? When was the last tournament? 10 months ago? Vancouver. So how do you, you know, how do you, how do you select that squad accurately? Um, you know, it's a good challenge. It's a different challenge. It, this is not, I think, when I was reflecting on this, this is not a head coaching job. Um, it's like any other, I don't think. I don't think there's ever probably been something with the challenges that are presented here and the opportunities as well that come with it. But yeah, it's a, it's a unique situation for for Rocky coming into that job. Do you think that there's scope to have a Red Bull Ignite situation over here then? Because as you said, there's no form, there's no sevens that's been played with players from the home union. So why don't we get a Red Bull Ignite tournament together and have a big old throwdown and pick the GB training squad off the back of that. Well, mate, I mean, I imagine there will be something similar to that. Whether it has a, whether it's the all singing all dancing and it has the sponsors' names attached to it, who knows? But I mean, essentially, if if we're not going to have, and we know that there's going to be a limited World Series tournaments um, in 2021 before the Olympics, so there's going to have to be other ways of playing. Um, and if that means playing against each other, uh, as well as playing against other teams, then that's what's going to have to be done, isn't it? Um, well, on the, well, on that note, there are some tournaments that are confirmed by World Rugby, including 
finally, I feel like we've spoken about this nearly every episode, the Repercharge. The Repercharge is officially going to take place on the 19th and 20th of June in Monaco. Uh, the men and women are going to be there, 12 different nations. I can't go through all of them, but they are all over the world. You've got Kazakhstan and the women. You've also got France, Ireland, Samoa, Jamaica and the men's. You've got Tunisia in the mix uh, with regards to the women's, even Madagascar. So, Good opportunity for stash swapping. Great opportunity for great opportunity for stash washing, but I mean, like realistically, are all those teams going to get there? It's lofty ambition, but I really question whether it's going to happen. But Monaco sounds like a good tour. Monaco sounds great, and I love that you love saying repechage, and that's why it comes up, just because you love saying repechage. Um, I think Monaco will want it to happen again, and obviously because they've done it before, that that will make life easier rather than because it was used to be somewhere new, wasn't it? I think initially. Um, uh, well, happen. You got to be optimistic. June's a long way off uh, in relative terms. You know there are vaccines bouncing around, and and whether that that will change things is interesting. Man, um, I mean we we can hypothesize about this till the cows come home. The reality is we got no idea. In fact, we should dig into our archives and see what we were saying about COVID when we recorded a pod back in March and see what we were saying then. Like, yeah, like we'll be back by, you know, late summer or whatever. I can't remember, but I bet our predictions were way off. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lockdowns under the bridge since uh, we start, we got podding again in March, isn't there? Um, do you know what, in one of the more unusual turns at this repechage, this qualifier, this Rugby Sevens Jamboree in Monaco, they're running an under-12s mini Sevens World Cup alongside the Repechage. Have you read anything about this? Are you sending no, your, your, your team? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> what a trip. What a tour for an under-12s team. Unbelievable. I didn't know they, were, they competed at that level at under-12s. Um, yeah, there are going to be two women's events as well in France. Back-to-back weekends. Uh, the National Rugby Centre in France. That's going to happen in May. And there's some talk about some high-performance preparation events in Spain in February, 20th and 21st of February, and then the 27th and 28th of February. Do you guys know anything about this? I know that there's due to be tournaments in Madrid at the end of February. That's about it. (laughs) I'm really interested to know who's going to be playing in those. Um... But hey, how good if there's if there are tournaments going on in Europe? I don't know. It's to be honest. It's it's an interesting point though about what what the players who will be hoping to be involved in GB and that's talking about players from England, players from Scotland, players playing players from Wales. What they'll be dealing with is is a whole host of such different situations. Everyone's got a commitment here, a commitment there, you know, or not, but. There needs to be a way of working around these things because it's not the same formula that we've had before where, um, you know, people are, had contracts and it was pretty straightforward and you just talk to the union or whatever. You know, people are coming from all different situations now. So... <laughs> that is a podcast first. That is absolutely unacceptable. An audible Trump. First, you first you slagged me off on the WhatsApp group, and now you Trump on the podcast. 
That is unacceptable, Bernsey. Have you? It's so funny that's come up because have you seen that Twitter video doing the rounds of the kid that farts on the Zoom yeah. call with his with his class, and they Gold. all they all crease themselves. But the kid is like seven years old, mate. How old are you? You're like thirty-seven, and you're trumping on the <laughs> podcast. Unbelievable. They don't edit well, how, out, does it? how does he get out of it? Just deny, <laughs> deny. <laughs> He just giggled. Wasn't me, man. Wasn't me, bro. Just giggled Wasn't for me. five minutes. Mate, there's a mallard with a French horn standing on a creaky <laughs> floorboard in my uh, recording room. Are you nervous as well? You're like Chip waiting to go on for his debut. Are you nervous? Stood in your, stood in your cupboard recording the pod with the lads. I am nervous because we are coming to a new feature in the pod to close out the year. It is the Seventh Heaven Christmas Party End of Season Pod Quiz. And for you, and for those of you listening at home, I'll have edited in Feliz Navidad by this stage in the background to great, add a little bit song. of a uh, bit of feeling. Feliz so you up for a quiz? Prospero up for a quiz, chaps? You up for a quiz, chaps? Hit me. All right. Okay. Here's how it's going to go. Before I sign up, how long's the quiz? Because I've been in some long quizzes this year. Ten questions. Okay. I'll tell you, I Ten can do questions. That. Some of them are going to be buzzer rounds. And just for the sake of buzzers, Chip, you have to shout out Scrum Cap if you, uh, if you have the answer. And Mitch, you can shout out Snooze Button. I was going to say Brown Tooth, but okay. As, a, as representative of Norse's Corner, of course. Of course. Um, <clears throat> So, um, for this one, this isn't a buzz around. This is a question, then you can come up. I'll actually, we'll do a buzz around for this one. According to the internet, who is the fastest person to have set foot in seventh heaven? Snooze button. Oh, Mitch first. I'm going to say... Do you know what? I'm going to go with Brian Abana. Two... One point to Mitch. However, you have to give an immediate answer as soon as you buzz. Yeah, he's Googling. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Brian Habana, 10.4 across 100 metres. P. Bake, 10.58. And Nort, 4.78 over 40 minutes. 40 metres, rather. So times that by two and a half, which isn't an exact science. <laughs> He's the slowest. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Mitch 1 0 up. Another buzz around. Who this season said, I never liked shoes. It wasn't about fashion at all. I looked like a dickhead. <laughs> Snooze button. Was it Chippy? It wasn't. No, Chippy, scrum, you got a free cut. run of it. No, I know who it is. It's. Um... Pichot. Yes. Ah, very it was good. Very good. Augustine Pichot. Back when Augustine Pichot chose Seventh Heaven as the first 
pod in the UK to go on as he was making a tilt for the World Rugby Presidency. Not the only first we've had, is it, Bernsey? Question three, and you have to answer immediately. How many players from the Seventh Heaven team of the series were named in the HSBC Dream Team? Scrum cap. Three. Okay. Incorrect. And a bonus point if you can name them. Mitch, what's your answer? Go on. Two. No. No points all round. The answer was four. Scott Curry, Tavita Veradamu, Selwyn David and Jordan Conroy were the ones who were in the HSBC team, which we chose earlier in the year. So good to know that World Rugby are plagiarising us. Um, one all still. Invoice World Rugby. Uh, this is a buzz around. Who was They're the all first buzz around. Pa- <laughs> 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 Who was the first person to feel the wrath of Chippy's Law? Bonus point if he'd give you the reason as well. Scrum cap. And Chippy. Do I have to say the, the guy's name? Is that? Yes. <laughs> uh, was it that? I think it was that Welsh geezer. The, the, um, no, is it not? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, no, Snooze button. <laughs> yeah. Was it Kurt Baker? It was Kurt In, Baker. For, what? For, for diving, diving, taking a flop. It was Kurt Baker for taking a dive. Chip, you failed on your own specialist I'm section. Just, I just always give people shit that I so it's hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. To the nearest million, how many listeners has Mitch put to sleep in Norse's corner? Scrum cap. Six. Chippy. Correct. Six million people put to sleep across 26 episodes. And just over a calendar year. Well done, Chip. Well done, Chip. And you well know, done, Mitch. I think that's quite a, quite a feat. Well, yeah. Well, well done. That's that's what you call an impact. All right. Question six. It's two all. And yeah, you can you can buzz for this. Who is the shortest person to have set foot in seventh heaven? Scrum cap. Snooze button. <laughs> Chippy. Mitch. <laughs> Hold that thought. Mitch, what do you think? <laughs> I'm taller than Gus Pichot for a start. You are exactly the same height as Gus Pichot, actually. Well, according to what? Wikipedia? Well, just answer the question. Um. Ah. Oh. No, you're out, Mitch. Do you want another go, uh, Chip? No, it's Chip not, doesn't get another not... go. He's had his guess. Pack over Taking too long. I had my, I had my guess. It was Gus Pichot. Pack over How tall do you think she is? Uh, Meg. Meg Jones. Yeah, she's Meg a Meg Jones is at 160 mm. centimetres to your 177. 167. Gus Pichot also 177. Marcus... Watson, 178. That's actually not true. Me, Marcus and Bibbs all got measured once together, like scientifically. And one of us, two of us were exactly the same height, which is remarkable. And one of us was slightly taller. And I'm pretty sure I was slightly taller. And the Sounds other two like someone the with height. a height complex to me, but 
you know, just I'm saying, just the quiz just master. That's I'm the just the quiz master. I'm just giving the I'm just the quiz master. Right. Chip, 3-2 in the lead with three no, questions to go. he didn't get a go. point for that. Hang on, he didn't get a point for that. He got he got Meg Jones, mate. He got, you can't he got give it. him two guesses and a clue and then let him have the point. Hey, hey, wait, don't argue. You're losing another point. Mate, this is a shambles. 3-2. <laughs> um, I forgot to get the answer for this one. one don't worry, I'll tell you. <laughs> to the nearest point, how many does Ben Gollings have on the World Series? Snooze button. Yes, Mitch. Two thousand six hundred and fifty-four. <laughs> Chip. Two thousand six hundred and forty-eight. <laughs> oh, Mitch! Mitch gets it by two points. Two thousand fifty-two. Two thousand six hundred fifty-two. Neck and neck, boys. This is. I love it. Love it. Did my research Ooh. for that pod. I remember. Um. <laughs> Okay, buzzers. Have to answer immediately. Other than us, who has been in seventh heaven more than once? Snooze button. Scrum cap. Snooze button has it. Rory Mikinocci. Ah, the competition winner. Mitch takes the lead. Two questions to go. How many people, and can you name them, have been in seventh heaven who have won the Dubai Sevens in any format of the tournament? Scrum cap. How many people? Yeah. How many people? Yeah. Four. And it's... Mitch, what do you think? What do you think? It's not necessarily I, wrong. I've just got to get his answer. I, th- I, I think it... Well, it's, I think it's four as well. It's five. <laughs> So, who, do you, who are they? If you can name them, then you can have a point. Yourself. Gotcha. Yep. Um, Norts. Yep. Um, no. <laughs> no, I don't know. I got two. <laughs> now you said Norts. I think it's six, actually. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if Norts has won it. Yeah, it, I think it's I think it's Norts, U Burnsy, Ben Gollings, Sam Dixon. Yeah. That was my four. Um and Wow. Coaches. Ben Ryan, he's won it as a coach. Oh, it's a sticky, sticky point. I thought we were talking players, but yeah, go on. Anyone else? Cartanana. Oh, good one. Yeah, Cartanana. Right, no points there. We, points, we all point suck for on you, that. Point for you, Bernsey, for bringing up the fact that you won that tournament, Dubai Sevens, again. All right. <laughs> and last question. Mitch leading 3-2. This is your chance to draw level on the Christmas quiz, Chip. What is JP Barak's name? Scrum Cup. <laughs> yes. No Googling, get off your phone. <laughs> I can see it. Jean Pascal Barak. Oh my God, Chip's drawn He's level of the it. death. He's pulled it. Where's the, where's the uh, tiebreaker? Where's the tiebreaker? 
I haven't got I haven't got a tiebreaker prepared, boys. Oh, classic seventh it, heaven it, pod. We're all winners here. I think it's only right that we end on a draw. And what a glorious final question to close it on. One of our favourite Frenchies, who um, he's playing really regularly for Claremont, and he got his first France cap. You're welcome. In the 15s as well the other day. So it's a bit of, yeah, bit you're of stardust. Welcome. A bit of pod stardust. Classic yeah. doing his working pod game. Stardust. You're welcome. Right. Good bit of Christmas fun there, but let's get into our guests. As I said at the top of the show, Christmas is a time of hope. And one of these guests has been hoping, praying, begging that he would be invited into seventh heaven. Fortunately, he's mates with another youngster that we really wanted to get on, Ben Harris. So by default, here comes Will Muir. Here comes Ben Harris. Two England Sevens Players of the Year for the last two seasons an opportunity to pick their brains. Welcome to Seventh Heaven, boys. Christmas is a time for giving, a time to make dreams come true. And I'm glad that we can do this for you, Will Muir, in this December. Having listened to us for a whole year, begged us to come on the pod. Here you are. Long overdue, but I'm happy I'm here. (laughs) Well, you're on thin ice, horse. You tread carefully, my son. Horse, it's uh, re- it's really good to have you on, kid. Um, let's just start with it, getting straight into it. How's Bath? How are you settling in? Uh, and why do people call you Vince? Uh, it's been an interesting few months. I've absolutely loved it, actually. Um, this like the town and everything's unreal. Uh, the lads are spot on. I've had a bit of a, a rough time on the pitch. I've had a few little niggles here and there. So the name Vince stemmed from. Me in my first session, I got a grade two tear in my quad, and then in the week after that, I was rehabbing that, and I did the same thing to my other leg. So that's both my quads that I've got a little tear in, which isn't an ideal way to start um, a new club. But um, and then one of the lads was into wrestling, Jack Walker, and he's 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 found a clip of it's Vince McMahon, who's a I don't know if you know wrestling a wrestling commentator. And he's the one that sort of gives the big hype. And then he's come walking down and he's doing his little swaggy walk, announcing it all. And he slips and falls into the side of the ring. And he hits, the side of the ring hits both his legs and he ruptures both his quads there and then and he has to go on. But the rest of the show, he's sat in the corner of the ring with his legs straight, trying to announce it all. And hence I got that twig done. It lasted about a week. It was never going to stick really. Just like that horse one, that didn't stick. Outstanding. Just for the list, for the listeners, horse. Just uh, a lot of people will know, but just go going back to the beginning. Then, how did you come about to have the nickname horse? So I think it was my first first session. I was doing like an integration section, so I was doing a bit of running up and down the sideline while the lads were training. I've got a rather unique stride length and and running technique. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the session, the lads saw, were watching me as I went. I can't even know. I don't know if it was Nortz, if it was Chiffy or who it was. People were saying, oh, looks like running like a horse. Let's call him Red Rum, horse, all this, everything. Uh, and then in the huddle at the end, they said it to me. And I said, well, that's a rubbish nickname. That's not going to stick, is it? <laughs> and everyone just erupted with, ooh. And then it's been, what, two and a half years later and I'm, Everyone at Bath's calling me horse now. I think my family started calling me horse. It's, it's, it has stuck. You're welcome. 
<laughs> they call you that on, yeah. the, on the commentary, mate, on the World Series. It caught on as well. Yeah, Rob Vickerman caught on. And then, yeah. I don't know who told Sean him. Maloney, I don't know, who, I don't know who told him. So if we ever find out, we'll yeah. get well, terrible. Uh, Benny, uh, <laughs> Benny, uh, Benny, have you got any nicknames at Saris yet? Um, no, nah, not really. Everyone, everyone seems to invent Benny like every time I go somewhere. No one, no one's ever told to call me that, and it always sort of crops up somehow. So I, I don't know where they're getting getting all this inspiration from. But um, no, nah, not really. Um, I hate to break it to you, I Benny, have, I but have... I hate to break it to you. But if you don't know what your nickname is, you will have one. You just don't know it yet. It's happening. It's happening. Buying your back. You got away pretty lightly at sevens, didn't you? Because Big B is actually quite a cool nickname. Big, Big B, because yeah. it, although it led to a few questions, didn't it? Along that, <laughs> people have been what asking what questions. What, what questions are they? Well, like what, like why? Big oh, Big B. Mm, why? Mm. Those sorts of questions. Um, I get that with horses as well. Actually, not too sure. Really. <laughs> Mitch, have you ever had any nicknames other than Mitch? Oh, Mitch is an easy go-to, isn't it? Um, no, uh, yeah, actually, I have. Yeah, I had one that didn't didn't stick. Uh, a couple of lads really worked hard on it. Go on, Ch- go on Chibi. What were you going to say, Kate? Because I don't want to sell myself down the river. I got two. T Bob. T Bob. Uh, yeah. And, that, and and the more infamous and probably my favourite go-to, Captain Browntooth. Oh yeah, Captain Browntooth. That that's one that sort of <laughs> that's the most recent one. I think Rory came up with that one. Huh? Yeah, really. Because t- of my pearly whites, mate. Because <laughs> of my pearly whites. Um, yeah, there's a good Archie, story behind Archie that. Dental Care, though. Yeah? Oh, <laughs> shiver. Um, we don't. We can't mention those things on the pod, Benny. Those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it's a good story actually behind my Captain Brown tooth. Um, it's nothing to do with rugby, so I won't go into it. What about you, Burnsy? What are your nicknames other than Burnsy? I've got I've got absolutely shitloads. Uh, I'm just one of those people that that people love to take the piss out of and label any name that pops into their head. Been called the Bulge quite a lot, not for not for Big B reasons, but for the Derby that I've never ever been able to shift, no matter how much exercise I do, predominantly. <laughs> Uh, Jeremiah Bullfrog because I got a big chest. Um, Ch- DCI Detective Chief Inspector Burnside, Tuna and Brineside. I mean, the list is at the list is endless and unflattering. So, we, been cracking on to ruggers. Uh, you mentioned about not knowing what your nickname is. Um, I guess you're probably too scared to ask because you are playing with some absolute big dogs at Saracens. What's it like? Yeah, um, it's it's really cool. Like my f- my first day in, it was um, it was a bit surreal. Like cause they're all they're all really really nice. I mean, I don't really know what I was expecting, but like it was everyone was just sort of like it came up to me and introduced themselves and sort of shook my hand. Was like welcome and stuff, and and it was it was really cool. Um, and I don't think I don't think I really realised. Um, how sort of big time they were and, and until you sort of train with them because you because you sort of you get a you get a good grasp on on like how good they actually are when you're not just watching it on TV with with a load of other really really good players. Um so it's good though because it means it means there's some amazing players I can learn off uh and try trying to sort of build relationships with them like when they were and before they went off to England camp and uh and and trying to sort of learn what I can off them. So it's okay. 
Who were who you most impressed by on the training paddock? Who did you get out and think, wow, that guy, I've seen him playing for England, but he is the real deal. Yeah, no, I just, um, yeah, Elliot Bailey's pretty good and Owen Farrell, they're like, Fresh. like, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting sort of being in the huddles um, and and really and really sort of understanding what uh, how good of a leader sort of um, he is and and the, and the types of things that and his knowledge as well of the game is is pretty impressive um, and it's just yeah like we're all sort of sat there in meetings and he's he's going over things and we're all like a bit like oh, well is he more oh. or less northern than Danny Bibby. He's a bit more. Yeah, he's a bit more. Oof, oof, yeah. gone there. Bibbs won't like hearing he's that. He's gone there. Bibbs won't like it. No, I'm not going to do an. No, I'm not going to do an impression. But he's yeah, he's pretty nice. <laughs> oh, go on. Go on, do an impression. Bang you clean out. One of our first days, uh, Richard Wigglesworth came up to me and um and was like chatting to me about Ellers because I think they're quite good mates. And I was honestly like, this is it sounds exactly like Bibbs, like how they talk. It's so so similar. I don't know if they're from the same place or what. It- He's a Kirkham lad. Oh, okay. Richard oh, fair enough. Makes sense. Top boy. So I had this moment last week when we had Brian Habana on the pod that being all professional, doing the interview and stuff, and immediately afterwards, as Mitch said, the rugby fan inside of me was like, fucking hell, we've just had Brian Habana on the pod. Is there a time when you've been at training and so you get in the car often and you're like, fuck me, I was just having coffee with Maratoji. How insane is this? Literally, yeah, that exact moment it was it was i think it was the, the maybe a minute after i'd walked in to to saracen's my first day there and i'd sort of gone through and marrow marrow was was getting his like kit out and, and sort of shook my hand and i was like holy fuck i was like oh it's <laughs> someone i've seen so much on tv and someone i follow on instagram and stuff and that was just cool and he's he's a really really nice guy and he's and i've spoken to him a few times at lunch and and sort of warming up and and that was yeah that, that was definitely a moment when i was like I was a bit like, fuck, this is surreal. Because when we, how long, how old are you now, Benny? 21. 21. So what, two years, two, was this your third year out of school, is it? Yeah, yeah, third year now. It's quite, that's quite a, uh, it's quite a transition into the world of professional rugby, that, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was, um, I guess it was cool because I got like, sort of introduced to it a little bit um, with sevens. Obviously, when I came out of school, um, going into that with, with big names in, in the game in our side. And that was, that was again, like a similar scenario to learn, to learn from, but I guess just because 15s is that much more like commercialized and, and it's just got a slightly bigger fan base and, and that just sort of makes these players like bigger stars. And, and that was just, again, it was like, yeah, well. Have you got any advice for Chip? Because Mike Brown keeps on atomic wedging him because he's the new kid at Quinn's and <laughs> just trying to negotiate that precarious space when you're a fresher in a Prem rugby club I don't know the the words you gave me was keep your head down and don't ask any questions unless you're spoken to so that's what I'm going to say uh, to be honest, it's, a, it's really nice to be called fresh faced. Uh, thank you very much, Burnsley. Like it's the first time in a couple of a couple of weeks slash months I've been called fresh face. So I'll take that. Um, Muir, moving on. Like, how are you settling in at Bath? Like, like we've obviously spoken about the nicknames and a bit of ribbon, but it's been a, like on a quite serious note. It's been a bit of a tough ride for you um, through no fault of your own, just with a couple of niggles picking up. Um, like mentally have you found it kind of being in into a new team and we all know how difficult it is when you're injured but being into a new team and then trying to integrate yourself I think I've been quite lucky with like once my quads had started healed up I got another little niggle in my adductor but it 
it was only like high speed running and stuff I couldn't do. So I could do a lot of unit stuff, a lot of aerial things. So it meant I was still like tight with the the lads in the sessions and stuff. So I've always been going to lads like Ant and Rory and looking at like little tips and things just to be sort of brushing up on that part of my game. So when I am back in that, I'm not too far away. Um, so Ant for the quite... listeners, is, is that Anthony Watson? You just dropped that in there? Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Ant. And um and and I was quite lucky at the start, um, because we had like a few socials at the start. And obviously when I'm not training, you're a bit on the outskirts sort of thing. But I think the socials were like couldn't have come at a better time. Obviously, like I think the best way, and Mitch, you'll agree, I think, and Bernsey and Benny, like the best way to get to know your team is to go out and have a couple of beers and just get stuck into it. Um, did you make any friends like on the socials, or did did you make did you have any enemies, or is there any good stories you wanted like speak to us about from the socials? Anything, anything happen, or is it was it just quite you know like we had a couple of pints and then had a fish and chips and came home and we were back in bed by half eleven. Anything you wanted like the listeners know, or just like. Any fun stories? You don't have to name names, but I don't really know what you know and what you don't know and what you're trying to get out here. Uh... I'm just asking a simple question. Here. It's an open forum in the clouds here, horse. Don't don't worry, we won't tell anyone. There was no uh, nothing else to report, really. No, no, nah. nothing at all. Try to tell you what I've heard. I think I've got the fastest pint in the team, though. Oh, that is a big show. That, that is so claim. huge. That, that is such a big goal. That is a bowl claim. Was that what happened between you and uh, Josh Marvesi? Was it? Yeah, like a dispute about that. that. I think we were arguing about uh, the fastest night, and that's all it was, really. Chip. Yeah. Sounds like you. Sounds like you've got a version of events that you'd oh. like to share with the group. Well, obviously, I got I got eyes and ears everywhere. Being the the court the, the court master for the sevens, I need to keep my fingers in pies just in case things happen to, to happen to spice back up. Um, I uh, just heard you and you and Josh Matavese had a bit of an altercation on the night out, and um, I don't know if you kissed the maid up and you just want to like no, clear the waters. Like, or like I know him from no. Newcastle uh, when I did a little bit of Vulcan Vals at uni, so I know him, uh, and we were just having a bit of crack. We did, did it, you try it, and take it, his Nutella off him? It'd be. <laughs> Yeah, I went. I, got, I came to Bath and I went for the alpha male to try and take him out and then to get respect of everyone else. I think it worked quite well, actually. I've got like Ant and Jonathan Joseph right around my finger now, so oh, wow. things are going all right. Outstanding. Oh, wow. Outstanding. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> you squeezed hard enough, it came out. <laughs> I think Horse has got more to give this evening, so we'll see what else we can get out of him. Couple of sugar lumps takes <laughs> it out. Um... Well, look, boys, the reason we wanted to get you on was we've had some real legends of the game, but past legends of the game and your young spunkers making your mark on the game of sevens and now in 15s. So what I really want to hear about is your experiences in your first few years playing sevens. I've had 25 episodes of Chip saying, talk more than you, but I'd actually like to hear what you know. And if you can impart a little bit of that to some of our younger listeners, yeah, I mean, um, I think with when I first came in, Simon uh, Simon Amor obviously was our coach, um, and he kept it pretty simple with me. He just said, he said, look, um, run when you get the ball. You're either going to run, pass, or 
run again. Like there's no else nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I ran out, ran out of options there. So I think I think kicking that's is right, actually, that's, right, that's rugby right there. Kicking, kicking's the third option, but he's he definitely said never do that to me. So um, he just pretty much said that, and then and it just sort of it made it a little bit simpler for me when when on the ball, and then I think we what I learned from sevens um, massively was about we like to play our game on just sort of taking players on um, and beating players sort of with your own individual sort of skills um, and build your game around that. And that's what, that's definitely what I think I learned the most was just about sort of backing yourself and, and, and making the right decisions in, in beating players and, and sort of winning the game on that front. How did you get picked up by sevens originally? Um, it was actually, uh, I got put forward for the trial at the end of my uh, last year at school. So when I was 18, um, I went and did a two-day trial at uh, Bishop Abbey, and it was it was there was a bunch of us. I think there was like twenty odd, um, sort of all trialing for it, and and I was I was the same year as Horse, but obviously he was um, he was a few years older because he came from uni. So I'm not sure how he got into it. Yeah, I was at Northumbria, obviously when Burnsy was commentating on the books, um, and I worked my way up into the first team. I was playing first team in my second year and third year of uni. And then was we got we won the books national sevens with Northumbria, and then got a invitation from Simon to go on an academy tour to South Africa um, at Ashtabul sevens. So played there was like completely like overwhelmed with it all, getting kit and everything was like madness. Uh, and then went okay there, and then got an invitation to San Jose for the Silicon Sevens after that. So played them too, and then luckily enough got a contract offer for as soon as I graduated to move down to London and go to the uh, Rugby World Cup in San Francisco. And then, yeah, that was me uh, for two years down at Sevens. And I guess it was like a bit starstruck at, start, at the start when like, you see names like Dan Norton and Tom Mitchell and things like that. I'd not actually heard of... Uh, <laughs> Chippy or anyone else like that. But, um, I thought he played for France. Yeah. <laughs> never seen him before in my life. Uh, uh, but yeah, but then once you sort of meet them all, like it took about a week of knowing Norts to know that he's he's not all he's made out to be. He? <laughs> As a bloke, he's, he's, like you said, don't meet your heroes. It's like, that was quite anticlimactic after meeting him as a person. <laughs> So and he's still hanging on now, actually. Um, but it, it's it's a good it's a good little insight. I mean, most of the time on the pod, as you know, lads, as faithful listeners, we talk a lot of nonsense. But occasionally, Chip and I and Burnsy to some extent try and just drop in the odd bit of advice for the for the younger players. Like, but we're we're all getting old now. Benny, for in terms of like school players and horse, anyone coming out of uni, like looking back at it, it's only a couple of years ago for you both. Give me like one or two bits of, of advice or kind of experience that you'd want to share with someone who's who was in your position three, you know, as you were three years ago. Well, um, I was playing third team in my first year of uni and it wasn't really, being a rugby player wasn't really on the horizon for me. It wasn't something like at the forefront of my mind. Um, and then I sort of was just playing to enjoy it and that's sort of how I sort of developed them progressed up to the first team so I'd say if you don't like make your first team at uni 
in your first year or you don't do well to through some trials or anything like that. It's not it's not the be all and end all. There's always more opportunities further down the line. So persistence beats resistance. That sounds better than what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Benny? No, I mean, um, pretty similar actually. I uh, I went through something similar um, when I was in year twelve. So uh, my second last year of school, I was at, I was so I did the academy at London Irish um, from the age of fifteen, and and I was there, and I almost got released in that uh, at the end of that season in year twelve, and then I don't know why I managed to sort of they didn't release me in the end, and I, I sort of had had a good preseason, and then and and went from there. And, and professional rugby was never in in my like plans. I never never thought it was going to be something that I'd go into until sort of my last few months of school when when it's things started happening and I started to really, really sort of want the idea of it. And then so I guess yeah, similar to what Horse said, just about it, it it can happen at any time and, and there's no there's definitely no rush if if you don't make it the first time. Nice. Tell you what. Listen, listen to you to speak. You're, you're wise beyond your years. Um, but Benny, you look—you somehow have been drinking from the fountain of youth, and you look younger than when I last saw you. And horse, you've gone completely the opposite way. <laughs> like it's really tough with COVID and everything, but you honestly, mate, look like an absolute tramp. If you didn't have a nice hoodie on, you, I'd, 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 I'd be chucking you a quid. And that's that's generous. I'm northern. I don't give quids out. It's twenty p's, fifty p's, whatever I've got in my pocket. I'd I'd find a goldie for you as well. I've been raising money with this November, and then I quite liked it, so I just shaved it in a bit, and I thought I could get away with it, but obviously not. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Hey Benny, so you said that uh, professional rugby wasn't on your radar until the final few months of school, but surely I know that you were really good track and field athlete and you said that you were on the books at Irish from the age of 15 surely there must have been an inkling and when it solidified did that change your attitude into how you were going to live your life um I'm not too sure it was because when I did athletics um I was quite young I I think I the last sort of time I really competed was about 14 or 15 um and I did that competitively for a few years sort of prior and then I sort of went into rugby like a bit more competitive leagues since I joined London Irish then. Um, and it just wasn't, I don't know, maybe it was a confidence thing. I just, when I was going through the age groups, it was just something I did and something I enjoyed. And, and sometimes I was, I was good at it and it just wasn't really, um, I just never really wanted to rely on it being my only sort of um, option with, with obviously going to school and stuff. I didn't want to, didn't want to sit there and, and just rely on being a professional rugby player. It doesn't always happen and it's hard to make it. Um, so it just, it really wasn't something I, I like thought could happen until it it really did like start to happen when I got offered the contract with Sevens, and that was that was literally like May of my of my last year. Were there other guys that you're at school with in in the London Irish Academy who just looked destined? The boys who really wanted to make it when I was sort of playing with them, they ended up making it. In fairness, they're sort of playing in the in the London Irish sort of first team now. And, and and they clearly done well for themselves. So I was surrounded Who's by a good bunch when I was playing. Uh, ben Atkins was a really really hard worker when I was there. Uh, ben Donnell, um, again, he was he was really really good in our in our under eighteen season. Um, was everyone called Ben? <laughs> Loader, yeah, clearly. yeah, he was. Um, yeah, Loader, easier above me. Um, ben Loader, Ben Lo- Ben Loader, yeah, Ben Loader. 
Um, these I are see all how Lord Irish's recruitment strategy has yeah, gone well. Yeah, exactly. These are all Nautilus, mate. Chat to him. He did his time there. <laughs> he did his time. That's an interesting way of phrasing it. Yeah, he did his time. Um, and just quick, very quickly, you sort of touched on it a bit there, Benny, but like you're both quite smart lads, aren't you? Horse, you've got a decent degree on your belt. Benny, you've got a few A-levels hanging around in your back pocket as well. I can tell you everything you need to know about Savonius Rotas. That's right. Well, I did my dissertation on it with clarity on that. Uh, I tried to talk Chippy through it and he just picked it to bits. So how irrelevant it was. <laughs> we'll save that for Noz's corner. You're proper kicking the energy out at the moment, Noz. I'm loving it. Um, nice. Quick question for you both. If you didn't make it in rugby, which could have happened, what would have been your next career choice for the first part of it? And secondly, what would you have done if like, you could have dream dream job? dream job outside of rugby um well i think i probably would have gone to uni uh and carried on with um what i was doing anyway my master degree and probably gone into the city maybe worked in finance uh, classic <laughs> um i don't know a dream job probably probably where can the dream job be rugby or nah knows yes it can be 100% be rugby Uh, I will see you my dream job playing golf professional golf somewhere I'll change I thought I taught you everything I knew I thought I taught you everything I knew being my no 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 you've got a stick this is what I've said convictions Benny convictions you can slog it out playing rugby until you're 35 I'm only playing golf until I'm 70 I'd have gone into my degree really which is mechanical engineering so it was obviously something i was interested in and actually my second at the end of my second year i was going to go into a placement um but having conversations with darren fern my uni teacher uh my coach he sort of advised me that it would stunt my rugby development a bit and he thought he always backed me that there was an opportunity further down the line and thankfully i I didn't take that year out and I sort of pushed on in my third year and really concentrated on rugby. I'm just interested, Horse, because you said before that you said that you progressed loads because you were playing without pressure and stuff at uni. And I think to some degree, we've probably all experienced that, whether that's at uni or school or whatever. But then your first tournament, you've, you came straight in and your first tournament for the senior side, uh, other than maybe a couple of Europeans, was was the Sevens World Cup. So... Yeah. How did you manage, like, how do you get your mindset around that when you've been progressing without the pressure to be then in one of the biggest pressure environments that there is in sevens? Yeah, I, f- I definitely felt the pressure there. I, I graduated, I think, on the Tuesday and then we flew out to San Francisco on the Saturday or something like that. And then the week building up to it, I was just getting more and more terrified. I remember, I remember being on the bench. Um, just looking around, I was hardly even watching the game, just looking around the stadium. Like it was all so alien to me. And then when I went on, I just couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> I was like a rabbit in headlights, just charged around aimlessly. I got absolutely knackered within about 30 seconds from just charging around aimlessly. I was just following Chippy. <laughs> and then... So yeah, well, that, job well done then. 30 <laughs> seconds is a big shift for me. Yeah. <laughs> all the game plan and everything was straight out my, over my head. I was just there to just charge around you got welcomed in nicely to the squad though didn't you with the old credit card roulette and the le- uh, week leading into San Francisco yeah yeah that was nice go to the most expensive pizza restaurant in San Francisco four or five of us and then someone's idea to credit cards in for who pays for it 
this poor bartender came over. Obviously, she picks mine straight away. <laughs> Hundreds of pounds worth of pizza as he does exactly that, laughs and just <laughs> gives me an unlucky as we walk the, off. The, 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 best, laugh. the best thing was that for that one was that you didn't realise that tipping is like compulsory in America and it's 20% or something mad. Yeah. So it was a hundred and whatever pound bill and then you had to tip another like 30, 40 quid. <laughs> Gold. The scraps of my student loan just completely yeah. clawed away to Chippy laughing his head off for a free pizza. <laughs> and then you got done again, didn't you? It can't happen again. It can't happen again. Yeah, you don't lose Later those things twice in a row, do And then it happened again. <laughs> Chip, Mitch, what was it like having Will in that squad for the World Cup? Someone who'd never played a World Series tournament? Just told Simon to keep him on the bench. Yeah, ride the pine. <laughs> um, he, he came into tra- he came into training, didn't he, in, in the year? Uh, and you've been in and out, like back and forth from uni. When you first turned up, I was like, "Who is this bag of bones? He looks like it looks terrible. He can't be any good." I was like, "Why has Simon brought him in?" And then the second he said, one, did, "Did one thing silky in the session before blowing your gasket and or lungs falling out your ass." Um, and then in the lead up to it, we were all saying like. Because it was a tough selection call between, um, like, obviously a really good mate of mine, Charlie Ayer, and yours, Mitch, um, who's been around the block, played, like, went to the last Olympics, even though he didn't play, with like, experienced player. Uh, and then to pick Will over him just showed, like, what Simon and everyone had seen in him. Uh, and, yeah, like, to have him in the mix, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't just by luck, by chance. It was because he played so well in the lead-up tournament. So, like, and we'd all seen that in Exeter, like carving it up. And like, Will, I'm not very often nice to you, so take this. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> he was actually pretty good. I mean, terrible bloke, but a good player. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, that was that is. It was quite a powerful. Like, uh, it's not often you get a new player come in and get such a resounding kind of um, recognition. Hatred from the voice. <laughs> well. Oh. Yeah hatred off the field but a recognition of of what he was able to do on the field um and actually the best thing about you being picked horse for that for that tournament was um it was a fun week it was like one of my best weeks maybe i've ever had that week new place exciting world cup but one of the things that definitely contributed to that was just your excitement for all and your kind of continual amazement at each day something new you were seeing like the hotel and then seeing the players and then like whatever we had next, like doing the training, whatever it was, was so exciting. You're just loving the whole thing. And that was pretty cool to kind of be a part of and sharing as well. So it was, it turned out to be a positive. And I think that your selection was probably vindicated in the end. I remember going Alcatraz with Chippy as well on the day off. I think it was just me, you and Rodders on it. Yeah. And you've never seen, out. and he's never seen the green mile. Can nah, you believe it? All he did was shout walking the mile the whole day and I didn't have a clue what he was on about. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think the Green Mile set an Alcatraz chip. No, it's it's not. But we had um, <laughs> uh, headphones on. You know the audio t- tours. And how often you're in a prison? So I was like, walk in the mile, <laughs> oh, showing it. Walk in the mile, walk in the Green Mile. Surely you were like, welcome to the Rock, after no. Sean Connery. No, terrible movie compared to Green Mile. How dare you? How dare you? Losers talking about trying their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Is he German? I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> these are before your time, boys. Green Mile, though, you need to watch that. Yeah, before your time. But look, but boys, gameplay-wise, 
Was there any time where you looked at him and there was like a reluctance to bring him into the play? Like, how can you absolutely trust someone in such a high stakes tournament who's yet to prove themselves on the series? You actually don't have a choice. Like, if the if the if a player's there and on the field, like you're gonna expect what you need to of them, and then they either fulfil that or they don't. Um, but the, I, I, you get to that point there, don't you, with the team where you do have that trust because um, and obviously there's an appreciation for different levels of experience and whatever else, but you do have that trust that they're just going to do what they can in that moment. Yeah, well, I get, we've all done it, haven't we? That's the thing. So you know what it's like. You can easily put yourself in those shoes because everyone's had their first game at some stage, even if it was a long time ago, eh? Yeah, and I think it's not really. It's what Mitch said as well, like because we've all been there and we've all been the new kid on the block, and we know what it's like. So just kind of easing players like Will and like when Ben came, it wasn't hitting him with right, Benny. This is what the most complicated move is in the backs. This is how the kickoffs work. This is everything, all the detail at once. Like, and obviously, I've been, I've been, I'm the same at the moment. Like being in a new club. It's like kind of being slowly integrated in and just like making sure you're comfortable with one thing before you move on to the next. And the same with us, like and Benny, when they both came to play, it's the trust that they're good enough to be there for one and they wouldn't be selected if they weren't. Um, and then just like trusting them to do the basics and they only set the world on fire straight from the off. And like luckily Horse and Ben, their basics are both really good and they built from that and obviously both two outstanding players. Yeah, in all honesty, with these two, it wasn't too difficult to trust them because what we've seen in training and and stuff leading up to those points where they actually got out onto the field. Yeah, Benny, how was your debut in Vegas? I mean, it's it's not even, well, it's only just 18 months ago that you made your debut. Yeah. It seems mad. It seems like you've been around forever. Yeah, no, it was, it was really, really cool, actually, because it was, it was actually my first time um, going away with with like the senior squad because I've done I've done quite a few um, academy tournaments sort of leading up to it and they're just a little bit different like you're not out there for as long uh, obviously it's a really it's a different bunch um, and I was surrounded by like the the sort of best players we had and it was it was amazing to see what the week looked like to the training uh, to sort of be surrounded and and sort of spending so much time with with really quality players and then also getting to know them um, a lot more as people. I think I came back from that two-week trip um, a lot closer to to all the sort of senior lads, and I was lucky enough to be with another one of the ACAB boys, um, sort of room with him, Bardo, and it was a it was a pretty good experience. Yeah, I know. You weren't going to not mention Bardo, were you? You were going to get him in one way or another. So, like the, the bromance, and obviously in relationships, there's highs and lows. Um, highs probably being both playing in Vegas. Low low point would be when you were hanging out the back of a taxi. I'll finish the sentence quickly. Hanging out the back of a taxi with me and a couple others heading back to the hotel in Russia, and you shouted to Mitch Bardo and a couple others, "Fuck the ACAD!" As you as as the as the uh, taxi was pulling away, uh, only to be. Oh no! It wasn't you, was it? Who said it? Was horse. Horse said that. No, it was Ben. Horse. I think it was Ben. It was horse. It was horse. It was the other one. Searing. Oh, was it? Oh, was it? Mitch, Fol- Mitch screaming all sorts of profanities at these people. I was there with my eyeballs <laughs> searing, like spitting, like all Back of it. Sprayed. Bardo was in fucking hysterics as well, and yeah, we were getting slaughtered by horse and a drive-by hurling abuse at us after being assaulted on the streets. 
I was just trying to get the taxi driver to pull over and he just had none of it. So, yeah. <laughs> that was a legitimate assault we experienced there. Yeah, that was, yeah. That and then I, I got the knock as the pepper spray expert to come and shower you down in the bath and it'll forever be burned in the back of my eyelids rubbing each other's back in the bath getting, getting, getting sprayed oh, wow. down Give me, I'm getting into his traps like it's alright Bart I don't worry about it it's fine Someone said milk's the answer to get it out of your eyes. <laughs> he was throwing milk on and Chippy came in as the expert and Chippy was like, what are you doing? Carton of milk. Just splashing it in his face. Just, I think it was soy milk as well because we couldn't find any dairy milk. <laughs> Sorry, Burnsy. We've gone off track again. I keep pulling us off track here. Steer the ship, Burnsy. Steer the ship. Talk about the debut. Where I, mate, I've completely lost track now as well, to be honest. Um, um, yes. Yeah, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. Fucking hell. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Favorite try you scored on the seven series? Class. Uh, I'd say. It was this weekend a year ago, that one in Dubai. I think you guys mentioned it on a pod a while back or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think the try last play against New Zealand in the group stage of LA to sort of keep percent that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool, Benny. Like, even to, at 21 to be able to say that. Oh, so what, what's your best try? Oh, just the last, you know, against New Zealand in LA, scoring to keep us in the game. Like that, that Benny, that's cool. I, I think when you're older, you look back and think that was pretty, really cool. And if you're not, not older, to look at it now, it's still cool now. Yeah, no, I miss it a lot. Good. Mine actually came from your tackle as well, actually, in that yeah, fence I game. Yeah, I remember right? that. Yeah. It's fucking idiots trying to fool us with a, with a dummy like switch. What are we, 12? Right. Idiots. <laughs> I remember because the, the French guy hit you, didn't he, as you went over the line? <laughs> Do, uh, as young. As young bloods on the series, do you find that older opposition players try and push you around a bit? They try and dominate you and you have to assert yourself? No, I think that happens no matter what age you are. It's always a bit like, that wasn't, I never really felt that because I was younger. I was always like, I think that's something I really learned about about playing the World Series is is every single part of the game, you've you've got to almost win that little one-on-one battle, right? No matter what, what it is or what you're doing, you've got to, win that and it was just it was everywhere in the game really so boys you've had a taste of sevens uh benny this is your first full year on the series this year and horse probably 2019 was the one that you played the most of you're now in the 15s world what world do you think that you'd like to exist in in the short term and i guess with a long-term view i think seeing little clips and things of being away as like your little groupie away at sevens is like you can hardly replicate that anywhere really in life and like you seeing these lads go to Bermuda and do that tens like it just looked exactly how it was when we're all away I think it's something that you miss a lot and I'm only sort of appreciating it now Um, whereas 15s is it's like the sport I've played growing up that I've played for so many years. And it's like a, a love for that sport. I mean, sevens, I've never played sevens before second year uni. So it was all sort of new to me, but I, I, I couldn't pick between them as sports. Like I, I um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. They're two different. They've both got the, the qualities, and I, I really couldn't pick it. Um, yeah, it's tricky because, as you said, horse, it's like an unbelievable, um, I think, life that we get to live being being in a seven environment, like the training, the training we do. Um, I think it was such a high standard. We had such a good sort of level of coaching. Um, we had a really good sort of group, and and it made it such an enjoyable thing, like day in day out. And then obviously going away and going away for two weeks traveling. Um, in, in a small group was was so good and, and, and playing it in some really good stadiums and and the crowds which is definitely what you don't really get with 15 so you don't get to go to unless of course you're touring with like England or the Lions you're not really getting regular sort of exposure to, to traveling and, and going around the world um, and playing in these in these stadiums so that's I think I think short term wise with um like being young, I think it was really, really beneficial for me to be in the program. And so I'd like, I probably would have liked to at least see out my contract, which would, would have been this year. Um, I would have loved to sort of still be in the program now. Uh, but I think long term, um, I'd still like sort of to give 15s a real crack because um, I think there's so much, so much to sort of do in 15s and, and there's a lot more sort of avenues to go down. Um, and I guess you can make a bit more, of, maybe make a bit more of a career out of it or I'm too sure it just, just seems something I really want to sort of like conquer. Nice, lads. I like that, Benny. Conquer. Yeah, like... You get in there, boy. <laughs> I'd say Saracen's a pretty good spot to do a bit of conquering as well. Backing you to tear up, Benny. Class, mate. Can't wait for you to see you out there dominating. Yeah, you're going to love Cornish Pirates away, mate. <laughs> It'd be just like Vegas. <laughs> I'm just thinking... Earlier, when I was saying about having Ant and Jonathan Joseph right around my finger and going for Matt Aversi as the alpha male, Rory listens to this. He's 100% going to record it and put it in the chat, isn't he? Yeah. Fantastic. 100%. Yeah. You push yeah. this. You squeeze this out of me so much. Will, I love you, mate. Sorry. So, uh, so, so, Horse, uh, you've mentioned about a few of your injury woes, but hopefully you're back on the road to recovery. Uh, I don't think I'm far off. Um, just got to tick a few boxes with high speed running, um, but yeah, I can do a lot, a lot of the training. I'm doing my contact now. I'm doing a lot of the skills games, my aerials and everything. So I'm sort of hopefully going to hit the ground running when I'm back in training fully. What about you then, Benny? Because obviously you're an absolute unit. You're called Big B for for good reason. You're about six three and a hundred odd kilos, and absolute wheels to boot. Very powerful athlete. So obviously transition to 15s. Where do you see yourself playing? Where do they want you to play? Where do you see yourself fitting into the context with the stuff that they're talking about hybrids as well? Is that something that you've had the conversation about? Um, not really, to be honest. It's just been, since I came in, it was a lot about getting the basic understanding of it. Um, I started out on the wing because I used to play wing before um, I sort of went full-time with sevens. Uh, and and that's where I've been been training ever since since I joined. and. Um, I recently did a little bit just at fullbacks, trying trying to understand, trying just better my understanding of the backfield stuff and 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 all of that. But uh, I think similar to horse, they're just keeping it where where sort of my strengths are, which is which is usually on the end. Um, and and I'm sort of enjoying all the learning I'm getting on the wing because it's it's pretty different uh, to what it was at sevens. But sort of keeping sticking to what I know and and staying on the edge. No chance of a back row conversion. 
Nah, line outs and scrums and nah, not me. Come back under the wing, Benny. I'll, uh, I'll show you the ropes. I'll show yeah. you the dark arts. Stay, Benny, stay out there, like mate. Harry... Stay out there nah, on the dingling. Like you like Harry Potter? Wonder, wonder, wonder around Hogwarts, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the key to the restricted section if yeah. you want to come in. <laughs> no, I feel sure. That sounds forward. like a proposition, an appropriate yeah. proposition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a chat line you've used before at the school disco chip. Here, love, here, love, come here and I'll give you a key to the restricted section. Know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Works every time, <laughs> No one goes in my restricted section. <laughs> It'd be remiss of me not to ask you, boys, that, yeah, you're contracted with Saracens and Bath, but if the Olympics comes calling this summer, are you going to answer that call? I think it's, it's everyone's dream to do an Olympic Games, isn't it? Like, how many opportunities do you get to do something like that? So it's definitely something that I think people would take with two hands. And I think I'm, yeah, one of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, the opportunities there and, and if we can sort of, if I can get involved in whatever centers there is this season to try and try and get a, a shot at it, then yeah, I'd love to. And that's something I spoke to the club about when I first joined and they're really supportive of it. Like they they sort of want me, want me to try and go as much as I want to. So, so hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, there's still an opportunity for it. Thanks, lads. Oh, great to see you. Nice to reminisce about the old days. Excited to see what you're going to continue to do in 15s, both of you, class. Miss you, lads. Yeah, miss you all in class. In class to catch up. Spot on. Right. Cheers, guys. One night in heaven. One night in heaven. Do you know what? We give him a lot of crap on this pod, but I absolutely love Wilmere. He's one of the first lads I ever commentated on when I first got into rugby. And no joke, he lit up that uni league that year, 14 tries that season. I think, I'm pretty sure, it's still the record for the most tries in a season. And I know that people who might not know the league that well will say, oh, it's just university rugby in England. But there's players like Alex Dombrand, Luke Northmore, Seb Negri, like tons of like internationals coming out of that league now. So, and they all played when he was there. So that was my first taste of the horse, but he's obviously a lad you love as well as Benny Harris. Couple of top boys. They were, I mean, we touched on it a bit, their quality in terms of what they could do on the field. Um, and that shouldn't go un, unnoticed because it's, you know, the, the talent and the, like the, the quality that they've displayed actually doesn't come along all the time. I think once we've been like Chip and I have been in the series on the series and in the program for a long time, you do see a lot of young lads come through, but they would definitely be in the, in the sort of cream of the crop that I've ever seen in terms of young boys coming in and progressing. Um, so I'm really excited to see what they do in their careers. And yeah, top boys. Um, I think we all got a bit like nostalgic and, you know, it's like really happy for the times we had, but also sad that, you know, at the moment we're not being able to do it, I think. Yeah, it was a tough one, wasn't it? Like the the balance of like looking back and then obviously like they're in both in amazing environments and they're like so close to kicking on. And I think as Mitch, as you said about coming into the program and like making an impact, like some players take a couple of years to kick on, um, a couple of years in someone's shadow, but those two both crashed onto the, onto the program. Big B bowling in, like massive, larger, like 
big bloke, small personality. Then he grew into himself and became, and he's obviously shown his talents this year, but being the player of the year and rightly so, because he was outstanding this year. And same with horse straight, as we said, like straight in for the, the world cup and proved how good he was throughout his time at sevens, also getting player of the year while he's there and then being rewarded, both being rewarded with 15 steals after. So, I just hope Horse stays fit because he had a bit of a rough time and, it, and he actually picked up a few injuries towards the end of his stint with the sevens as well. So hopefully, you know, his body's just going through a bit of a rough patch and it kind of not going to keep him out for too much long because I'd love to see him mixing it, you know, in the Prem. And as you say, Burnsy, he was tearing up at uni level. Can he then carry that sort of uh, and impose himself on, in the Prem? I mean, coaches are always... <clears throat> I mean, coaches are always looking at regeneration. They're looking at the future, even though they love what they've got. They have to be thinking about the next gen. You must have seen so many young would-bes, hopefuls, prospects, maybes coming into the setup in for a while and then jettison. What is it about these two and other players who've made the grade that have that little bit extra that makes them stick around and have an impact? on an established and successful squad? Ben and Will both say they're not like, or actually Ben's different. He's, he's athletically gifted as well. But like there's been like better, like like Will Muir, he's not the most athletically gifted like player. Do you know what I mean? He's not massive. He's not like the quickest bloke, but there's just something about him, that X factor. Same with Benny. Like he's rapid, he's strong. Like he... He's got that little X factor that that's something about him that you can't kind of coach. And then to, to come into the program, I think to combine that with the humility and the ability to learn and pick up stuff from different people uh, and then the attitude to want to get better um, uh, thrown in with a good personality. I think that's, for me, that's the, the kind of winning combo. And that's something that those boys have both nailed and they've kicked on. And I just hope that they they carry on and, and progress as rugby players because they're both young blokes, you forget. Uh, and I can't, cannot wait to see them progress. I think Benny's got a big future and Will's got a big future in 15s and 7s, depending on how the landscape looks in the coming years. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with most of that, Chip. Um, particularly the, the reason they kicked on was the ability to improve and the kind of humility to want to get better all the time. But I think actually athletically, what I was going to say, that's one of the things that probably did make them stand out. Because even though to look at horse is a funny looking specimen, like there's no getting away from it. He's an odd looking fish. But actually his a bit like his top speed, his like ranginess, his the extent, like the, the sheer extension on his fend and stuff like that. Those kind of physiological abilities uh, are less obvious, but they're probably a big part of what made him tick. And then, yeah, Benny was a bit of, bit of an athletic freak when he was like 18 and to have that speed combined with that size it was like wow when I, I think back when I was 18 I was like piss wet through I was about 65 kilos skin and bone it was pretty ugly to be honest I uh, never want to give horse any compliments about being physically gifted though so I, that's maybe why I, I pulled back on that it's, one it's more physically confusing but it's like he, he'd be he needs to get like a, a sort of study done on him as to just quite how his body works in the way it does because it doesn't really make any sense and you kind of see that from watching him run. It's a terribly ungainly stride, isn't it? It's quite reminiscent of, I don't even remember the cartoon of the BFG, and he's sort of lurching across the rooftops, like all like joints and levers and legs. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> that's, that's what I think when I see the horse in full flight. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, Incredible to... End 2020 with two of our biggest fans, Will Muir and Benny Harris, the future 
of England Sevens on the pod. It's been a hell of a ride, a hell of a 2021 with a lot of downs, but plenty of ups. It has been a pleasure to share the mic with you and, uh, and also the listeners. I've loved it, Bernsey. Thanks for letting us on your pod um, for a whole year. It's been a real pleasure. Been great interacting with the listeners. Actually, genuinely, it's so nice when people say that they enjoyed listening, or even if they didn't enjoy listening. Sometimes that's good to hear as well. Um, just the fact that they listened. So, hey, we've weathered some storm on the pod, I think, this year, and hopefully provide a bit of light relief, as well as some gems of sevens gold along the way. Through adversity comes great men. That's a De Carpentier quote for you right there. What a year. A De Carpentier original to close the show, to close 2020. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Thanks very much for sharing, liking, subscribing, which you can, of course, continue to do over the festive period. We're going to be back in 2021. I can't give you an exact date, but with sevens on the horizon, once again, in our calendars, there's plenty to be hopeful of. But until that time, from all of us, in seventh heaven, up in the clouds, it is adios. Survey. Bye.